welcome in Frank Saroli from the Daily Faceoff. Good morning, Frank. How you doing, Kevin? Why aren't you on a beach in Hawaii somewhere? Yeah, yeah. What, <laughs> that's where we're going to send Donovan the intern, I think, Frank. Uh, we had some, Why is he screwing things up in there? Well, uh, so we, we had we just had spec on. We started talking about the 1986 All Star Game, where the Oilers had nine okay. players. And, that and, predates my existence on this planet. Go uh, ahead. Yeah. And Glenn, Glenn Sather was happened. there too. Yeah. So, you know, we were just saying, well, we couldn't remember where it was. So Donovan, we said, Donovan, get on. You know, this is where you have to get on stuff like this. So he goes on the interweb and he, cause he, he's so fired up and glad that he found it. He goes, Reunion Arena, 1986. I go, Okay, well, now it didn't make a lot of sense That's to me. That's not possible because da- <laughs> Reunion Arena is in Dallas. Yep. Well, and Dallas didn't have a team in 1986. Yeah, it was the NBA All-Star game. <laughs> ah. So, uh, Only well, slightly different. It was in Hartford, and thanks to uh, Shovelhead and one of the many texters that sent in, it was in Hartford. But, uh, yeah, it was nine Oilers on the roster. They picked it a little differently, obviously, than they do now. Uh, Glenn Sather and oh, the entire training staff was there. So a lot different than what it is now. Are, and are you going to Toronto here in the next couple of days or what's your I schedule? Am. Okay. Yes. And what do you got on, what do you got cooking there? Uh, we're going to have uh, an awesome slate uh, shows and people part of the nation that were coming in from around the country. Okay. Uh, descending on Toronto, we're going to have two full days of live shows on Thursday and Friday. So looking forward to getting everyone together and then, I can't wait to see this skills competition. Mm -hmm. Like I'm one of those people that could take or leave all-star weekend in general, but I think this specific skills competition could be a really memorable one. I agree with you, Frank, in that sense. Uh, The only thing that worries uh, me about the skills competition is how the scoring, uh, the points are accumulated. And if you're say in the middle of the pack and just say you haven't had, uh, say say you are ranked fifth or sixth or something like that, going into that final event because it's weighted so heavily on that last event. You know, I'd hate to see a guy, you know, do so well for five, six events and then someone come out of the blue and take it over. You know what I mean? I mean, that's kind of what makes it awesome. I don't know. Like the fact that there's so many people that are still in play toward the last event. Yeah. I think kind of like a, like I'm in a football playoff pool and um, the Super Bowl is just weighted more than all the other games. Hmm. It keeps it interesting. Ah, I just, I would feel bad for a guy that's dominating and being on top of the heap and then all of a sudden has one sort of mediocre event. You know who I feel bad for? That guy. No. It's 11 of the very best players in the world and JT Miller. (laughs) (laughs) That's the guy I feel bad for. And he's probably going to light it up because he's going to be thinking that he needs to belong. Well, so you feel bad in the sense that you think that he doesn't belong in that top 12? He's, I think he's the clear outlier for sure. Okay, what about in stick handling? I think he's a pretty good stick handler. I think he could be good in a lot of events. Pretty good I, passer. I, I think he's he he's one of the best transporters of the puck. Mm-hmm. He, he could be good in fastest skater, like. but apparently he said publicly that he doesn't want to be in fastest skater and the fact that you get to pick your events is really kind of interesting do do you know how this obstacle course works for the final event frank i don't okay i just thought maybe there was some sort of a a video the nhl was trying to make it less sort of gimmicky in the sense that 
you remember a couple years back in All-Star, I think going back to the one in St. Louis where they were like shooting pucks from the concourse. Mm-hmm. Like they 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 wanted to try and get away from some of that stuff and make it more hockey specific so that um you know, especially with this skills competition, like think of the last few. I was at All-Star last year in Florida yeah. and they like would if you were in the building, they would just pause the skills for 30 minutes and play tape from the beach. Right. That was from like a day earlier. Remember that guy almost took one in the coconut and he was walking down the beach and someone let one rip? He probably deserved it. Shouldn't have been standing there. <laughs> well, but I mean, he, like the whoever was shooting was like way off the target board and I think well, probably did it on purpose. Yeah, well, hey. It's kind of like Randy Johnson and that bird. Like you, you just, you just shouldn't have been there. <laughs> yeah, well, for the bird anyway. Uh, what's on the daily face-off trade target board coming up today, and then even kind of backtrack to yesterday as well? Yeah. So yesterday we did a breakdown of um, Chris Tanev. Chris Tanev, and today we've got some trade destinations for UC Soros. Hmm. Now, Soros isn't on my trade targets board, but there was a report from TSN about 10 days ago that said that the Preds are willing to listen to offers. And that kind of surprises me because I think they've waffled back and forth. Barry Trotz, he was on my podcast, frankly speaking, in November, and he said point blank, Soros is our guy for the future. But I think there's so many teams that are in the market for not just a goalie, but someone that's a real difference maker that they can trust. And that's a category that Soros falls into on track to play another 64 games this year, something like that. He's a workhorse. He's, he's a beast. Hmm. And I think there'd be significant interest. The interesting part is how much could the Preds actually get for Soros, given that goalies typically don't go for much. And if they're going to make the plunge, and and actually move him, you, the theory is Yaroslav Askarov mm-hmm. is waiting in the wings, which makes sense. But are any of the teams that could really use Soros, like in the playoff chase, would they be willing to do it before the deadline? Or is that a summer move? Like So the teams that we've got listed today, New Jersey, Carolina, L.A., Toronto, and I think that's it. Yeah. You may have put the Oilers in that category several weeks ago, but not now. Yeah, I, I don't think it makes any sense right now. I think if if the Oilers wanted to address their goaltending situation at the deadline, to me, it would be getting someone that you feel more comfortable backing up Stuart Skinner instead of Cal Pickard. Mm-hmm. And, and frankly, you know, a, a regular longtime listener – um, Ali, he lives in Calgary. He uh, he messages me all the time. He sent me this. I'm just looking at my Twitter inbox here. He goes, I would still like the Oilers to add a backup goalie. If it is 29's last playoff run with 97, which I think is hyperbole, Pickard doesn't cut it for me. And I think a lot of Oiler fans probably feel the same way. They could, yeah. But again, the way things are going right now, and it could change in a month, but I don't think that – any of those higher names like a Saros is on, on a no, list. Or no, no, I agree sure. with you there, yeah. but I do think that there's probably someone out there that gives 
the Oilers a little bit more comfort, that isn't going to cost them a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, what like did you- if he would go there, I think Ken Holland would actually drive to Minnesota <laughs> to pick up Mark Andre Fleury. Fair. Yeah, that's I. I'm, but do you think Fleury wants to go anywhere? I I just think with family with Fleury, it's you know, he's done it, done enough, done it all. That where I don't think so. Family I think comes he's first. hungry, yeah. and oh. I think if he's so Mark Andre Fleury has made the playoffs for 17 consecutive seasons. I don't think he has any interest in watching one go by without him at age 39. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a pretty high probability and or likelihood that he gets moved. But I think the consideration for Marc-Andre Fleury, as I understand it, is going to be, can I go to a place where I have a chance to play? And it's not to be the starter, of course, but it can't be someone that you're an afterthought. And I don't know what that situation looks like one month from now with regard to Stuart Skinner. Obviously, he's, he's playing extremely well and is a huge reason why the Oilers have won 16 straight. And they they clearly trusted him last year in the playoffs, even when he faltered. Mm-hmm. But is there real avenue for Flurry to play if he were to be a guy that Edmonton looked at? Frank Saravalli with us on Sports fourteen forty. What do you make? Uh, and by the way, yeah. just to, to to put a bow on the Flurry conversation, a couple years back, going to Minnesota would be three years ago now. He got a second round pick. Mm-hmm. Probably looking at a third now. Would you trade a third for some backup goalie insurance? Of course, everyone would. Oh, you would? Okay. Yeah, I would. I would trade a third for sure. Yeah. Okay. I would definitely trade a third for Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, uh, LA Kings, what do you make of – the LA Kings have been just abysmal in the, in the last 14, 15, 16 games, but none of these teams in the West, for whatever reason, because of their – mediocrity have been able to really catch them in the sense to, to pass them and knock them out. Um, I think it's an indictment to all those teams. And and where do you see things going in, in LA, I guess? Yeah, I don't see the Kings even as, this is probably as bad a stretch as they could play. And I was actually talking about this with Jason Gregory yesterday on oh. our podcast. I said, have the Oilers like the the stretch that the Oilers went through to start this year, two, nine, and one. The Kings are two, eight, and six in this last run. Like, is it is it really all that different than the rut that the Oilers went through? It's actually better. They you know Well, slightly better. Yeah, yeah I mean by picking up overtime points, points, yeah. Yeah. But we remember the panic that had set in with the Oilers, mostly because of how the math works in the NHL, that if you get too far behind the eight ball, you can't make up the points. And I guess it's easy to do when you win, you know, 24 out of 27 games as the Oilers have over more than a quarter of the season. But it goes to show you that the Kings had banked so many points early on that they're really not in danger of missing the playoffs. One, because there aren't, really very many threats behind them. And two, because they had afforded themselves that luxury of their position based on the way that they had played to start the year. So I do have real concerns. There's clearly something off when you hear players talk like Drew Doughty did about some of the selfishness and everyone points the finger back at PL Dubois who hasn't held up his end of the bargain. But 
I, I, I think there's multiple things going on at once. They can't score. I think they've scored more than three goals once or twice since Christmas. And more than that, their goaltending has fallen apart. Like mm-hmm. Riddick, yeah. his numbers are pretty strong. But Cam Talbot has just hit a wall. And I wonder if they played Cam Talbot too much to start the year, the first quarter when he was off to such a ridiculous start. Should they have taken their foot off the gas a little bit with a guy that's in his mid-30s that was really injury-prone the last few years? Frank Cervalli with us. On his way to Toronto, have a great time in, in Toronto, Frank. Are you looking forward to the uh, the the draft, the player draft on on Thursday night? And if you are, is there one... What do they call them? Global superstars that are the captains, co-captains. Is there one in particular that you're looking forward to watching make a selection or two? So I'm not, and I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> I think the NHL took the weenie way out. Okay. And what they should have done was separate McDavid and Dreisaitl. Like force McDavid to pick Dreisaitl first or oh, whatever okay. with his first pick. And what if someone else took him first? Like – Spice it up, make it interesting. We see these guys play, and I know Oiler fans are like, well, they have to play together, their team. No, no, they don't. Like, spice it up, make it an interesting weekend, make it an interesting draft. The drama of if the Hughes brothers took Dry first or whatever it might be, hmm. that's that's where the fun is to me. And so I think putting those two together from the start kind of takes away from it. And I don't know, like, will will Connor find a way to get sit on his team? Well, what what about the other? Then you could say that you can, if you separated them all, then Nathan McKinnon would take Kale McCarr first. He might. He yeah. might not. What if he doesn't? Maybe. What, if, what if Nathan McKinnon takes Sidney Crosby first? Fair. Two Cole Harbor guys. You make a good point, Frank. As you I know, just, I, All yeah. I'm saying is if you really are designing this to make it interesting – don't put McDavid and Dreisaitl <laughs> together as assistant captain and captain. Like, throw sprinkle a little paprika on there and let's have a night. I, I'm just more looking forward to the tribute to the 1967 Stanley Cup champion Maple Leafs. That's going to be that the biggest your squad. No, like, how? What are they like? Uh, just to get sick of Toronto and and the fact that they haven't won since the year I was born, Frank. It's I just... did see, so on Friday night, the Flyers had an alumni game against the Bruins alumni, mm-hmm. and they they got all of the players together from their 50th anniversary cup team, the first one in 74, and it was all the living ones, at least, mm-hmm. were all there, and that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that would have been cool. Uh, Frank, thanks for this. Enjoy Toronto. So we will speak to you, I guess, in Toronto on Thursday? Yep, sounds good. All right, Talk thanks. That's Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff.